What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. This is episode 140, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 260 pay-per-view going down tomorrow night, Saturday, March 27, 2021, headlined by heavyweight championship fight between Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. This 10-fight car will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week, I predicted 9 out of 10 fights correctly on the podcast and profited 4.6 units on my official MMA tips page. So it was a very successful week for me in terms of picks and bets. I hope you all won some money last week. Brunson came through for us as a big underdog. So it was a great week and we're going to look to continue that momentum this week. Another 10 fight card. Not the greatest pay-per-view card, but there's still some good betting spots and there are some bets I like throughout the card. So... Let's get into the first fight on the card in the middleweight division. We have Mark andre Bayut as the minus 125 favorite to Abu Azaitar, who is the plus 105 underdog. I agree with Bayut being the favorite. I honestly think that Bayut could be a little bit more of a favorite, maybe closer to minus 150, because I think this matchup has a lot of advantages for him. Azaitar is coming off of a long layoff. He hasn't fought since July of 2018, so about a two and a half year layoff. And he only has one fight in the past four and a half years. He's 35 years old. He's coming off of a PED suspension. And even in his last UFC fight against Miranda, I thought he looked pretty sloppy there. He had sloppy combination punches. He's aggressive and he puts up volume on the feet, but he's very sloppy. I don't think he has great technique. And he's also a pretty bad grappler. We've seen him get taken down, spend a lot of time on his back. So I just don't think Azaitar is really good anywhere. He's not even really too powerful either. So... I think that if he wants to win this fight, he's likely going to have to outstrike Bayut for the full 15 minutes. Maybe he finds a knockout somewhere along the lines, but Bayut is pretty durable. And as I mentioned, Azaitar doesn't have too much power. So I really think the decision is the best way for Azaitar to win. And considering that he's coming off such a long layoff and I don't think he's the better fighter, I do not like Azaitar's chances here at all. In Bayut's last fight, I thought he looked really good against Pachota. He was pressuring him. He was putting up high striking volume. He looked powerful. He had a takedown or two and got some good ground and pound off. So I think Bayut is the better striker here. He's probably going to pressure Azaitar, get him moving on the back foot, and outstrike him there. I think he could even hit takedowns and look to get top position because even though Bayut is not the most reliable wrestler, Azaitar's takedown defense, his grappling off of his back is very bad so I think if Bayut could get a takedown that could be the round that might be the entire fight so I favor Bayut everywhere here I think he's the better striker he's more skilled he's the more proven fighter recently as well and I think we could even see a late finish from MAB here because he really did pour it on in this last fight against Pachota and I think we could see that long layoff taking an effect on the Zaitar here that PED suspension taking an effect and I think the Zaitar probably gets finished here in the later round. So I'm going to go with MAB round 3 TKO as my pick. And I think Bayut is worth a bet at minus 125. I'm kind of waiting to see when I'm going to lock in my action. I suspect that some late Azaitar action might come in. He is a very popular fighter in the Middle East. He does have close to 2 million Instagram followers. So it might be best to wait till fight night to right before the fight to get your bets in because we might see some late Azaitar action. But regardless, I'm picking MAB to win, and I think he's worth a bet at minus 125. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Omar Morales as the minus 190 favorite to Shane Young as the plus 165 underdog. 
I'd say this line is a little bit wide. I expect this to be a close competitive striking fight, and both guys have some questions around them. Morales, this is only his second fight at 145, and his first fight he was pretty soundly outstruck by Giga Chikadze. Now, Giga is a great striker, a much better striker than Shane Young, but still, I didn't think Morales looked too good at the weight class in that fight. It didn't look like he had a lot of fight in him. Once he started losing that fight, he seemed kind of content to lose and didn't really fight back too hard. So not a great sign for Morales there. And then Shane Young's problem is that he gets hit too much. He absorbs a lot of strikes. His defense is not very good. And he actually got knocked out in his last fight against Ludovic Klein pretty early on in the fight. A good thing for Shane Young here is that Omar Morales is not really known for being a power puncher. He does not have too many knockouts on his record, so I don't think Morales is too likely to knock Shane Young out. I actually think this fight will be a pretty competitive striking decision, but considering I think the fight will be majorly striking, neither guy is really known for hitting offensive takedowns, I guess Morales is more likely to end up in top position, but I expect a close competitive striking fight, and neither guy is too defensively sound. Both guys don't really check leg kicks that well. Even though I do think it goes to the decision, I think the ends by knockout prop at plus 160, 170 might be worth a play. I don't have access to those props right now because this fight has been kind of canceled and put back on a few times throughout the week, but once those props are out, I might send out a tweet about them and I might end up tracking a bet on ends by knockout in this fight because I just expect it to be a close competitive striking fight and both guys are hittable and I could see a knockout coming on either side. My official prediction is going to end up being Omar Morales by decision, but in terms of bets, I would fade that prediction. I think the ends by knockout prop has some value, and I think the money line value side is on Shane Young here at plus 165. I think that's a bit wide. I think Morales closer to minus 150, minus 170 would be appropriate, but where it's at now, I think the value is on Shane Young. I expect a close competitive striking fight. hope it's a good one, and I'm picking Omar Morales by decision. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have... McCall Olachechuk as the minus 170 favorite, taking on Modestus Bukakis as the plus 145 underdog. This is a pretty weird fight. I can honestly think of more negative things to say about these guys than positive. I'll start with the positive. McCall is the better striker here. I think he's got the much better boxing. I think he's more likely to score a knockout in the early rounds, and I think the early fight favors McCall. For Modestus, I think he has the cardio advantage, probably has some round two, round three upside, but he's going to have to survive an early storm, and he's going to have to probably eat some big punches from McCall to make it out of round one. Now for the bad things about these guys, both guys are pretty bad defensive grapplers. We saw Bukakis get taken down a lot in his regional footage, and we've seen McCall take down a lot in his recent UFC fights, most notably by OSP and Jimmy Crute. He was taken down and submitted by both of those guys, but Bukakis isn't really known for hitting offensive takedowns, so I don't think he's going to exploit that bad takedown defense of McCall. Another big concern I have from Bukakis is his striking defense. I mean, this guy doesn't seem to block any strikes of any kind. He eats leg kicks, he eats punches, he's just very hittable, not very durable either. We've seen him get hurt and knocked out a few times throughout his career, so I really don't have many good things to say about either guy, but I do think that this fight favors McCall Olachechuk. I think he will probably land the better shots early on and might even knock Bukakis out in round one, but... If you want to play Bukakis here, I would say just wait and try to live bet him. Maybe wait until halfway through round one or towards the end of round one because McCall is kind of known for slowing down and gassing out if he doesn't get that early round one finish. So some props for this fight that I think I value are the round two, round three props for Bukakis and the round one knockout prop for McCall. I think round one knockout is probably the most likely outcome because Bukakis is just so hittable, but 
McCall has just looked very underwhelming in his past few fights as well, so I'm not really too willing to trust either guy. But pre-fight money line value I do think is on the favorite. I think you'll get a better price in Bukakis live. And I guess I'll go with a round one knockout prop from McCall. But I'm not very confident in this fight. This fight could go a lot of different ways. And I would probably stay away from it in a money line perspective. And look to just live bet or bet some props here. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov who is the minus 240 favorite to Jared Gooden who is the plus 205 underdog. Right off the bat, I'll say that I think this is a pretty low-level fight. I don't think either of these guys are very good MMA fighters. It also seems like a striker versus grappler matchup. I think Gooden is the better striker, has the more striking upside. He probably has more knockout power as well. So if Gooden is winning the fight, I think it'll probably be by knockout on the feet. And Abu Babkar is the grappler in this matchup. He looks to hit takedowns in most of his fight. He's a decent striker. I think he's the more well-rounded fighter of the two, but Abu Babkar is definitely looking to hit takedowns in most of his fights, and Gooden has showed terrible defensive grappling. He gets taken down a lot, he's very bad off of his back, and he also tends to slow down later on in fights, so I think this matchup does favor Abu Babkar. I think he should hit pretty easy takedowns here and dominate from top position in all likelihood, but he has to be aware of that knockout. Gooden is dangerous on the feet, so some props for this fight I like are the Gooden knockout prop at plus 700. And the Abu Babkar submission prop at plus 550, I think either could happen. And I think a finish is pretty likely in this fight considering how binary it is. I think if it stays in the feet, it'll probably be slightly competitive. Uh, but if it gets to the ground, I think it'll be pretty one-way traffic for Abu Babkar. And he probably dominates to either a submission or a decision. In terms of an official prediction, I'll go with Abu Babkar submission round two. And in terms of money line for this fight, I honestly think it could be... Favorite or pass, even at these odds. I wouldn't recommend laying the chalk on Abu Babkar, but I think that if you want to bet Gooden here, the better way to do it is by knockout. I think if he wins the fight, or even if he looks like he's winning the fight, it'll likely be by landing hard punches and rocking Abu Babkar, and that plus 700 will likely look like value. So if you like Gooden here, take him by knockout, and the Abu Babkar submission prop is worth a stab as well. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Alonzo Menafield, who is the minus 275 favorite, to Fabio Chiron, who is the plus 235 underdog. Chiron is coming in here on very short notice, just about three or four days notice, and he had to cut a lot of weight to make this light heavyweight limit. He did miss weight by half a pound, but he likely cut 20 pounds in the past few days, and you got to think that that's going to affect him in the fight. He didn't have a training camp to pre prepare for this fight. He did fight not that long ago, just about three or four weeks ago in LFA. He went the full five rounds, uh, winning an LFA championship, probably his best performance to date. So Sharon is game, though, honestly. I think he could provide some problems for Menafield. If you listen to the podcast, you know I'm a pretty big Menafield hater. I think he's just a terrible fighter. He's an athletic freak. He has all the athleticism in the world, but he can't really seem to learn MMA. It seems like he actually gets worse and worse every single fight. So there is no way I would recommend betting on Menafield here, especially considering he's minus 275. It's just a clear as day dog or pass situation. Even if Menafield wins the fight, I highly doubt he, he justifies that minus 275 price tag. Unless it's just a quick round one knockout. But I'm pretty underwhelmed with Menafield. I don't think he's that skilled of a fighter. I don't think he has much depth to his game besides just swinging very hard. He slows down later in fights. He can be taken down. He can be pushed against the cage. So I expect a pretty ugly fight, honestly. If these guys don't knock each other out in round one, it's likely going to be a boring 15-minute cage-pushing fest. I could see Menafield putting Sharon against the cage for long periods of time. 
But honestly, Sharon has some pop. He swings hard. He's got some power in that left hand of his. And Menafield did struggle a lot with the southpaw striking of OSP in his last fight. So honestly, I think that Sharon has a decent chance, even though he's coming in here on short notice, cutting all that weight. I think he still could possibly find the chin of Menafield and knock him out. And even if it goes the distance, and if it's a 15-minute striking fight, Sharon does have the ability to control his pace, his tempo, and to outstrike opponents for 15 minutes in a row. So it's not out of the question that Sharon wins a decision here, even though I do have some questions about his cardio considering the, uh, the weight miss. But honestly, I do think that Sharon is probably value here, probably worth a small bet. Wouldn't go too crazy because it is low-level, light heavyweight, and these guys could just knock each other out really quickly. But I think Sharon is the value side. I think he has a decent chance to pull off the upset. And this might be a stupid pick. I might be completely wrong here, but I can't pick Alonzo Menafield to win the fight. I'm going to go with Fabio Sharon to pull off the upset. And let's go with by round two knockout as the pick. The next fight is the first fight on the main card and takes place in the lightweight division. We have Kama Worthy, who is the minus 127 favorite, taking on Jamie Malarkey, who is the plus 107 underdog. This seems like another striker versus grappler matchup, and I wouldn't go as far to say these guys are one-dimensional, but Malarkey definitely struggles with striking, and Worthy struggles with grappling, and I think it's pretty clear how this fight is going to play out. Malarkey is going to look to hit takedowns, going to look to get this fight to the floor, and Worthy is going to look to stuff shots and outstrike him on the feet. In the striking in this fight, I do give Kama Worthy a pretty significant advantage. He is a bit hittable and chinny. He has been knocked out several times in his MMA career. But Malarkey is pretty ugly on the feet. He doesn't have much power. I haven't seen much striking success from Malarkey. So I think it's pretty unlikely that he touches the chin and is able to knock out Worthy. One thing I will say about Kama Worthy is he does like to throw a lot of kicks when he's striking. And those kicks can be caught and he can be taken down. In his last fight, or his second to last fight against Luis Pena, he did get a kick caught and taken down in round two. And in Jamie Malarkey's last fight against Zim, he caught a kick and got a takedown in round one. But the problem with Malarkey's grappling is I don't think he really has a great top game. He doesn't really keep his opponents down for long. He tends to lose positions a lot of the time. He got a lot of takedowns on ZM. He got some pretty good positions, but almost every single time he ended up reversed or losing the position, and he didn't really do enough with those takedowns. So I think another similar situation could happen here where Malarkey gets... Kama Worthy down to the map, but he's not able to do anything significant with those takedowns. He doesn't get dominant positions. He's not going to be able to submit him. And as Worthy showed in that Luis Pena fight, he can defend submissions. He can stay safe on his back and he can explode with that athleticism and look to reverse positions. So considering I think that Luis Pena is a better control grappler than Jamie Malarkey, and even Pena wasn't able to have much success with his grappling, I don't think that Jamie Malarkey is going to have much success either here. I think he might get a takedown or two, but I think Worthy is going to reverse. He's going to stand back up. He's going to be very hard to hold down. And once the fight gets back to the feet, we're going to see Worthy land in way more strikes, doing more damage, and winning the fight in the eyes of the judges. The best way to bet this fight and to cover both sides is the goes the distance prop. Right now on FanDuel, it's plus 162, which I was honestly shocked by. I think there's a good case that this fight goes the distance more often than not, and the goes the distance should be favored. So plus 162 is great value. We know that Jamie Malarkey is extremely tough. He ate a lot of damage versus Brad Riddell and still made it to a decision there. And if this fight gets into grappling, I've been unimpressed with the submission skills of Jamie Malarkey. And we have seen Kama Worthy survive some bad positions on the ground against Luis Pena. So I don't think he gets submitted. And I think this fight goes the distance at a pretty high clip. So I'm really surprised by this line being plus 162. 
I think the Goes the Distance could be worth multiple units at this price at plus 162, and I will likely end up with a track bet on it. In terms of my official prediction, I am going with Kama Worthy. I think he avoids getting stuck on his back for too long, avoids getting submitted, and does way more damage on the feed to win a close decision here. And the Goes the Distance is the way to play this one at plus money. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Miranda Maverick as the minus 155 favorite to Jillian Robertson as the plus 135 underdog. I've analyzed this fight on the podcast before. It was supposed to happen about six weeks ago, but it got rescheduled, and my thoughts haven't really changed. I agree with Maverick being the favorite. I think she has many more ways to win the fight. The striking really favors Maverick here. I think she's the better offensive striker, and she's got some pretty decent power as well. We saw her pour it on versus Jojua and get a first-round stoppage in her last fight, and Robertson does not really react well to getting hit. We've seen her kind of shell up before, eat a few punches, and get TKO'd, and I think that honestly could happen here. So look out for that Maverick knockout prop. I think it was at plus four or 500 last time. There could be some value on that. And in terms of grappling for this fight, Robertson definitely needs takedowns to win. I don't think she's ever won an MMA fight where she didn't get takedowns in top position. But I think Maverick has the better takedown defense of the two. We've seen Maverick stuff takedowns. We've seen Maverick get up once she gets taken down. And we can't really say the same about Jillian Robertson. We actually recently learned that Jillian Robertson's defensive grappling is really bad. She was kind of known for her offensive grappling throughout her early UFC career, but in her fight against Talia Santos, she was taken down and dominated on the mat in that fight. She just looked absolutely horrendous in all aspects of MMA in that fight. Looked like she had no will to win, was really easily taken down, had no effort to get back up to her feet. So I think it's kind of risky trusting Jillian Robertson at this point, considering how badly she looked in her last fight. I think Maverick has the higher ceiling. She's the fresher prospect. I wouldn't be in a rush to, to lay the chalk on Maverick, because I'm not really quite willing to trust her as a favorite yet, considering she doesn't really have much UFC experience. But I do like this matchup for her. I think she stuffs takedowns, avoids getting taken down for long periods of time, and outstrikes Robertson on the feet. So the pick for me is going to be Miranda Maverick. I think she could get it done by TKO, and the prop, the TKO prop might be worth a stab, but I'll go with decision just to be safe. Miranda Maverick by decision is my official pick. And in terms of money line here, it's probably favor to pass. I really have no interest in betting Jillian Robertson, and I don't think it's a good idea to do so. Um, so the pick is going to be, once again, Maverick decision. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Sean O'Malley as the minus 320 favorite to Thomas Almeida as the plus 270 underdog. I think this line is a little bit wide, and mostly because Sean O'Malley is just not the type of fighter you want to trust at minus 300, especially coming off of that leg injury in his fight just about six or seven months ago. I don't think he had many long-lasting effects from that injury. I think he recovered pretty quickly, but that's still a major concern. O'Malley hurt his leg in the Sukumtot a few years ago. It looked like he might have hurt his foot in the Wineland fight, even though it was a very short fight. And then, of course, in the Vera fight, he significantly injured his leg there. So there's a real question around Sean O'Malley's leg durability. And that is a phrase I never thought I would utter on the Martian MMA podcast. But honestly, it's a legitimate concern that you have to be worried about uh, when capping this fight. This fight should be predominantly striking. I think any grappling in this fight would surprise me a good amount. Neither guy is really known for hitting offensive takedowns, so I think the fight should stay on the feet for the majority of the time. When the fight is on the feet, I do give O'Malley a slight striking advantage, but Almeida is a good striker of his own right. He did kind of struggle in his last fight against Jonathan Martinez, got shut out in that fight, was outstruck in all three rounds by Martinez, and actually that loss hasn't really aged too well 
considering that Martinez was knocked out by Davy Grant just a few weeks back. So that's kind of a concern for Almeida. Davy Grant, a guy with some janky boxing, was able to have more success on Martinez than Almeida was. Now, looking at these guys' records, most of their wins do come by way of knockout. But honestly, I think this fight has a pretty good chance of going to the decision. I think both of these guys are kind of overrated in terms of their power. I don't think either are particularly hard punchers. And they're not really pressure fighters who wear you down with attrition and can knock you out later in the fight like a guy like Pedro Munoz can. The odds point to the most likely outcome of the fight being O'Malley knockout, but honestly I think that Almeida would be the best fighter that O'Malley has knocked out by a pretty wide margin. If you look at the guys that O'Malley has finished in his UFC career, they're kind of past their prime lower level fighters, and I think Almeida would be his best knockout to date, so I'm not really too confident in O'Malley getting that knockout. I think we're kind of going to see a slower paced decision. It's not going to be as exciting as a fight as everyone is expecting. And I think it'll be a close decision for either guy. I'm going to slightly side with Sean O'Malley via decision as my official pick. But I realistically could see Almeida pulling off that upset via a decision. And I think the, the knockout in this fight is kind of getting a bit overrated. And this one's actually going to go the distance. So the pick for me is going to be O'Malley via decision. If a knockout does happen in this fight, it will be likely round one knockout for O'Malley. I guess there is a small chance that we see like an Almeida leg kick TKO as well. But I think the, the knockout is getting a bit overrated here. And this one's actually going to go to the decision. And we're going to see O'Malley win a decision here. And by the way, in terms of money line for this fight, I do think it is dog or pass. There's no way I would be laying that minus 300 chalk on O'Malley. But if you have access to live betting and you want to bet Almeida... I might honestly recommend waiting a little bit to maybe halfway through round one at the end of round one. You might get a better price on Almeida in the live bets. And we have seen O'Malley start to slow down in the later rounds, make fights more competitive as they go. So Almeida might lose early, but he could fight his way back into it late. So look out for that live bet on, on Almeida after a round or so. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Vincente Luque, who is the minus 230 favorite, taking on Tyron Woodley, who is the plus 195 underdog. I'll try to keep this one simple. I do not recommend putting any money on Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley has looked so bad in his past few fights. And the guy does deserve a little bit of slack because he was fighting the best of the best, Burns, Usman, Covington. He is fighting top five welterweights. And Luque might be a little bit outside the top five. And this is probably a bit of an easier matchup for Woodley on paper. But still, Woodley looks so helpless in those past few fights. I mean, his past 70 minutes in the octagon, he has been absolutely bell-to-bell -bell dominated. I think he lost every single round. I think he's lost 14 rounds in a row. He was technically finished in round five versus Covington. But he has lost 14 rounds in a row. And he also hasn't beaten Orthodox Fighter in the past like six or seven years as well. I think his only wins are over Southpaws like Wonderboy and like Till. And I think the Orthodox striking is going to give him a lot of problems. He constantly backs himself up to the cage. He's low volume. He's always looking for that power right hand, but he never ends up throwing it. He hasn't hit takedowns in his past 10 fights, or he's hit like two takedowns in his past 10 fights. So I don't think wrestling is an extremely reliable path for Woodley. So if Woodley wants to win, he's going to have to land that big right hand to rock Luque and to finish him because I don't think Woodley can win a decision. His volume is so bad that I do not think it's possible for him to win a decision outside of maybe knockdowns in multiple rounds or something like that. But that seems very rare. I think that Luque is likely going to put a clinic on Woodley, outstrike him, do way more damage, throw way more strikes. And you might even see a finish from Luque somewhere along the lines uh, in those rounds 2-3. 
because Luke Kenny is a very damaging striker. He punishes your calves. He has high volume, sharp, accurate boxing, and Luke should just really outstrike Woodley pretty decisively here. So the pick for me is going to be Luke. I could see a round three finish, but I'll go with decision to be safe. And I think uh, Luke wins this one pretty decisively. And even at the current money line price of minus 230, I think that Luke is the side to be on. If you want to bet Tyron Woodley, just do him inside the distance. Because as I mentioned, I don't think he can win a decision here. And he's likely going to have to rock and to drop Luke somewhere along the lines to find a way to win this fight. And I don't think that happens. So the pick for me is going to be Luke by dominant decision. The next fight is the main event and takes place in the heavyweight division for the heavyweight championship. We have the challenger as the favorite, minus 138 for Francis Ngano. The champion is the underdog at plus 118 for Stipe Miocic. This fight is of course a rematch. The first fight took place about three years ago, January of 2018. Ngano closed minus 170 there to Miocic plus 150. So the line that we're seeing in the rematch is tighter than the first fight, but it's still a bit surprising to see Ngano as the favorite. Considering how the first fight went, the fight was competitive for three minutes. Ngannou stuffed a takedown or two, was swinging big on Miocic. There were some close competitive boxing exchanges. But at the three-minute mark of round one, Miocic hit a takedown. He got top position, and that's pretty much how the rest of the fight went. The last 22 minutes of the fight were just complete domination for Stipe Miocic. Ngannou did land a few punches in the last few rounds, but... He was so gassed out, so tired, unable to string together any offense, unable to stuff a takedown, unable to get up off of his back, and it really was a dominant performance for Miocic to retain his title. Now what has changed since that first fight? Obviously three years have passed, Ngannou has had five fights, four of them being quick, easy round one knockouts where he took virtually no damage. The one fight that he lost was a decision loss to Derek Lewis, again a fight where he really didn't take any damage. So that absence of damage in Ngannou's recent fights is an advantage for him, but it's also kind of a disadvantage because we haven't really seen him make improvements, we haven't seen him stuff any takedowns, we haven't seen him get off a bottom position, and we haven't seen him show cardio past the 3 or 4 minute mark. We don't know if he's able to knock people out outside of round 1, so a lot of the questions... The issues that we saw in the first Miocic fight are still on the table and still kind of unresolved uh, for Francis Ngannou. And even in Francis's wins, his four knockouts that all came in under two minutes, even in those fights, we didn't see improvements from Ngannou. We saw him swing wild, swing these massive hooks that didn't have much technique behind it. And they did land, they did knock his opponent stiff. But it's not like we saw clear improvements in his technique, in his combination punching, in his accuracy. He really just quickly knocked out four dudes and we didn't really learn too much from it. So in terms of improvements of Ngano from the first fight, I don't really think there are any clear improvements that we've seen on tape. And I think that you're kind of going out on a bit of a limb picking Ngano in this fight. I think if you're picking Ngano tomorrow night, your line of reasoning should be that I think they're going to strike for the first three minutes like they did in the first fight. And I think that Ngannou is going to find that knockout punch this time before he gasses out, before he gives Stipe the ability to take him down and to tire him out. Now what has changed for Stipe Miocic since the first fight? I think there's a lot more negatives to look at for Stipe than Francis because Stipe had three fights since the first fight. 
All three of those fights were against Daniel Cormier. He got knocked out in the first fight. He was losing the first half of the second fight before coming back and scoring a fourth round knockout. And he was largely in control of the third fight. It was a competitive back and forth decision, but I think Stipe was in control of that fight from the jump and pretty decisively won that fight. But according to those stats, across those three fights, Stipe Miocic absorbed 252 significant strikes to the head. 252 significant strikes to the head since the last time he fought Francis Ngannou. You got to think that that could take a toll on him. He might not have the same durability he once did. He ate some pretty big punches from Ngannou in that first fight. He might not be able to absorb those same punches considering the damage that he's taken in his past few fights against DC. And the damage he took to the head aren't the only thing. I mean, think about the wear and tear on his body that those fights did, that those fight camps did, back-to-back-to-back fight camps training for the same guy. I mean, I think there's a good chance that Stipe Miocic is not the same athletic, or not the same athletically, not the same in terms of durability as he was in the first fight. So going into the rematch, we know that Stipe is the better fighter. He's the much better grappler. He has the better cardio. He has more recent five-round experience. And Stipe has a lot of advantages. The advantages that Ngannou has is that he's more athletic and he's more powerful. He's not the better striker. He doesn't have better striking technique, but he's more powerful on the feet. He's more likely to get a knockout when the fight is on the feet because in the first fight, we saw Stipe land some clean, big right hands on Ngannou, and it barely phased Ngannou. So there's a massive durability advantage for Ngannou. He can take much more punishment than Stipe can. Now here's a real concern about Francis Ngannou, and I think this could be the worst decision that he could make, and that is to be tentative, to fight scared like he did against Derek Lewis. He seemed a little traumatized in that fight from the beating, the embarrassment that he took from Stipe Miocic, and he might try to do that again here. He might try and compose himself, try and limit his volume, try and avoid that big swinging bum rush of offense that he does in most of his fights, but that would be such a dumb decision because if he waits and if he's tentative, I think Miocic is just going to take him down, and that could be the fight there. I think one takedown could really end the fight for Miocic. Ngano is going to get tired on bottom. He's not going to be able to escape, and it's going to give Stipe all the confidence in the world to just keep hitting those takedowns and to keep wiping him out on the mat. If Ngannou wants to win this fight, he's going to have to do what he did in his past four fights, and that is swing wild in round one, try to land that big power punch. I know it didn't work the first time. I know he landed some big shots that didn't knock Stipe out the first time, and he ended up getting taken down, gassed out, getting dominated on the mat. But he cannot change his strategy because that is still the best chance he has to win the fight is by going apeshit, swinging those wild combination of punches, and hoping one connects. If Stipe wants to win, he's going to have to tie Ngannou up, look to get him in the clinch, tire his arms out against the cage, look to hit takedowns, and to dominate him on the mat like he did in the first fight. But Stipe's margin for error is very, very small. I mean, all it takes is one little punch on the feet for Ngannou, and that could put his lights out. While Ngannou has a much wider margin for error, he could get taken down for multiple rounds, and he might even find that knockout punch later on in the fight. I think that's pretty unlikely. I think that if the fight gets out of round one, it's more like 80 to 90% for Stipe at that point. But you can never rule out that power of Engano. Even in rounds 3, 4, and 5 when he was gassed in the first fight, he landed a few punches that kind of stumbled Miocic at one point. So even when he's gassed, he still has that power to land those knockout blows. Alright, that's enough analyzing the fight for now. It's time to move on to my official prediction. And that will be Francis Ngannou by knockout in round 1. I know it didn't happen the first time. 
I know that Ngannou hasn't made any improvements since the first fight. I know that Stipe Miocic is the better overall fighter. But I cannot avoid that feeling that Ngannou is going to land one of those punches in round one that will shut Miocic's lights off. I think we're going to see a similar round one to the first fight where Miocic is going to shoot early on in the round. But while Ngannou is still fresh, he's going to be able to use his athleticism to avoid those takedown attempts to get back up to his feet. And he will have some opportunities to swing at range. There will be some distance striking exchanges. And in the first fight, Miocic was able to absorb those shots, keep fighting and hit those takedowns. This time, I do not think that Miocic is going to be able to absorb those shots. I think the damage that he's taken in his past few DC fights are going to take a toll on him his durability is not going to be the same and i think Ngannou lands that that glancing or that crazy punch this time that shuts miocic's lights off for a knockout round one pick for Ngannou. i tweeted about this early on in the week but i did bet Ngannou round one knockout at plus 240 the first time the fight was booked Ngannou round one was plus 120 now it's plus 240 the odds have significantly increased for round one knockout i still think that's Ngannou's best way to win and if he does win, I think it will be by knockout in the first few minutes. If it goes past the three or four minute mark, I think Miocic will replicate his first performance and likely dominate with his takedowns and his cardio advantage. But despite the logic pointing towards Stipe to fight the first fight pointing towards Stipe, you kind of got to throw logic and rationality out of the window when you're analyzing Francis Ngannou fights because they do not really find, follow any rhyme or reason. Sometimes some random shit just happens in them, and I think that's kind of what we see here, and Ngannou finds that shot to get the knockout in round one. All right, so that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. There is no UFC next week. It is Easter Sunday, so hope everybody enjoys the weekend off. We will be back on April 10th for the next UFC card. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed the fights this weekend. Hope you all win some bets as well. And I will see you before the next UFC card. Peace.